Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Um, let's take a look at Mormon Court Part 2. Then there's the matter of escaping and overcoming these multiple layers of cult practices. Uh, sometimes maybe that first step is getting over the doctrine and then they have to break out of that church and, and, and the lifestyle. Then they have to kind of get over family and friends, maybe jobs, but then ultimately the getting over that psychological and, and the mindset of, of the cult. Some levels are easier to escape than others, but for the most part, all ex-Mormons or anyone leaving a cult or cult-like organization will have to pass through this or a similar multi-level jailbreak to freedom. And this cultish thinking runs deep and affects your very anatomy and physiology. Neural pathways are changed. So for many who leave, those pathways are still intact and take time to rewire. Many families and friend, uh, family members and friends who remain are still hardwired with a cult brain, so communication can be difficult. An interesting side note, uh, proposed legislation against brainwashing has been entertained in Italy and the U.S., and may, many psychologists are in favor of this. This topic was even brought up during the Elizabeth Smart uh, hearings where the kidnapper was charged with kidnapping, assault, and burglary, but not brainwashing, which some believe should be a criminal offense. For now, maybe simply educating people on cult characteristics should be the initial push. Teach youth and adults alike the signs of cult behavior, not just in churches, but the workplace or schools, families, spouses, etc. Maybe it's time for a 501c to teach the populace about cults, and that can be a gateway to legislation if necessary. So this is not just a Mormon issue. People are waking up and becoming aware of cult behavior and the damage they can do. Even if Mormons deny the label of cult, the church does have some characteristics. Those need to be identified and eliminated along with the harm they do. And now to end with a little bit of silliness. The more you know, the less you don't know. The more you know, the less you don't know. Okay, yeah, I got it. That's true it's whether or not what you know is right or wrong i guess but the um so you you were talking there about the anti-brainwashing legislation and i'd say that that will come into effect in the united states uh, about the same time that guns are made illegal in the united states um which is probably going to be never but like everyone looks from their own the inside of their own cult or religion and they look at everyone else's and and laugh and say oh look at you you know what's what's going on but when it comes to looking at their own and using the same critical thinking so if if a family member came to you and said they were going to join the jehovah's witnesses i'm sure a lot of mormons would sit there and come up with all different reasons why the jehovah's witnesses were bad and all different reasons why they shouldn't join and bad things that happened in the past, but they'd never actually turn that same kind of critical thinking on their own religion and what they use in order to, you know, live their life. So, yeah, here's what it is. Okay, let's take a look at the next. Then there's a matter of escaping and over. Every time. <laughs> 
Mormon's not Christian. So I had a conversation with a TBM family member about this. And he basically said, it's literally in the name of the church, Jesus Christ. And I was like, no, you don't get me. <laughs> like there's Christian and let's say there's Mormon Christian and they're two very different things. Let's take a look. Yeah. The Mormon church is not Christian because it reversed many of the things Jesus taught, implemented, and fulfilled. To illustrate, Jesus turned water to wine, then he used wine to implement the communion or sacrament. The Mormon sacrament started with wine, then later changed to water. The Mormons are literally and figuratively turning wine back to water. Here are some other examples of this reversal of wine to water concept. When Jesus died, the veil of the temple was rent, representing the barrier between man and God being destroyed. The Mormons brought the veil back in the temple, even inventing requirements to get to the veil, essentially saying you have to go through the Mormons to get to God. Related to the temple, Mormons teach that Jesus fulfilled the old law, so things that represented him in the Old Testament were done away with, like animal sacrifices. But how about all those other things? The temple itself represented God, but Jesus fulfilled the law. And the New Testament says, ye are the temple. Temples are no longer needed, but the Mormons brought the temple back. Similarly, the high priest represented the Messiah to come. Jesus came, so that was fulfilled. But the Mormons brought high priests back too. Wine back to water. The cross was raised as a symbol of Christianity, but Mormonism banned the cross. Strict dietary restrictions were done away with in the New Testament, but brought back by the word of wisdom, totally ignoring Matthew 15. That's wine to water, literally, there. The old law was more works-based, with hundreds of laws and rituals. Jesus fulfilled it and taught grace. The Mormons reinstated that legalistic view and kind of squirm when grace is mentioned. That is wine back to water. Jesus freed man from the numerous rules and regulations of Sabbath worship, but the Mormons re-implemented restrictions and regulations for Sundays. Ask any Mormon about Sundays. That's wine back to water. In the old law, you had to be separated from unclean things and people, lepers, animals, dead bodies, food. Uh, Peter received a revelation that all that were all accepted, that all were accepted. But Mormons reinstated that separation from apostates and unclean things. Wine is used for the blood of Jesus, but even in Mormon scripture, the waters are ruled by the devil. If that's the case, why have the Mormons literally and figuratively rejected the wine and returned back to water? Good question. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, and just as another aside, um, very easily half the stuff that I come up with comes from my wife. Uh, I'll just put that out right now. She will have discussions and she comes up with, uh, all, all kinds of great points. She it reads and investigates and I just, oh yeah, that's great. And so then I'll just make a video. So she is my exmo muse for a lot of this stuff. Um, but this was something that really bugged me, even as a TBM, just my questioning, you know, for years, well, how come the church does this? Why aren't they doing this? And um, reading the scriptures and, and when you have the veil of 
of Mormonism lifted, you're able to see a, a little more clearly. Yeah. Well, I, I always thought it was because this was the fullness of times. So we needed all of the gospel. But then you make a good point that if, if we're taking parts like the physical temple and a law of health and different things, and we're having literally just everything all in one dispensation, we're having the fullness, everything, then why are we wearing, why can you get garments in polycotton, you know, mixing your um, cottons and your polyesters? Why, why, why have we only bought back choice bits and not all of it, if it's supposed to be the fullness of time? Well, even just that part where, yeah, you're always taught Jesus came to fulfill the law, but in Mormonism, only parts of those things do we say, yeah, that's why we don't do animal sacrifices anymore. But the temple and the high priest, that's supposed to be part of it too, but they just kind of ignore that part. Yeah. It doesn't fit. The Mormon church is not Christian because it reversed. The other thing too about your friends saying, well, it says in the very name, Jesus Christ in the name of the church, if you bought a Louis Vuitton handbag off the street, yeah, it says Louis Vuitton, that doesn't make it real and authentic. Yeah. yeah. So you can argue that until you're blue in the face. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at part two of the uh, Mormons aren't Christian, uh, because here, yeah, we we go or you go a little bit deeper into how the temple maybe precludes people from being quite so Christian. I want to talk about one big reason why Mormons aren't Christian. The biggest thing is that Mormon doctrine states that Christians are of the devil. During Joseph Smith's first vision, Jesus himself told him that all their creeds were an abomination in his sight. In the Book of Mormon, it also says there are only two churches, the Church of God and the Church of the Devil. In the temple, Mormons are required to participate in a secret ceremony in the temple in order to attain the highest level of heaven. One part is a video or live reenactment of the creation and fall of Adam and Eve, including an interaction between Adam and Satan. I'll now go over this interaction between Adam and Lucifer. Adam starts off, Oh God, hear the words of my mouth. You know, praying to God. I hear you. What is it you want? Who are you? I am the God of this world. You the God of this world? Yes, what do you want? I am looking for messengers. Oh, you want someone to preach to you? You want religion, do you? I will have preachers here presently. Lucifer turns his head to a minister and says, Good morning, sir. Good morning. The minister then looks at the congregation, you know, looking into the camera, and says, A fine congregation. Yes, they are a very good people. They are concerned about religion. Are you a preacher? I am. Have you been to college and received training for the ministry? Certainly. A man cannot preach unless he has been trained for the ministry. Do you preach the Orthodox religion? Yes, that is what I preach. If you will preach your Orthodox religion to these people and convert them, I will pay you well. I will do my best. Satan then turns to uh, Adam and says, here's a man who desires religion. He is very much exercised and seems to be sincere. I understand you are requiring after religion. I was calling upon Father. I am glad to know you are calling upon Father. Do you believe in a God who is without body, parts, or passions, who sits on the top of a topless throne, whose center is everywhere and whose circum circumference is nowhere, who fills the universe and yet is so small that he can dwell in your heart, who is surrounded by myriads of beings who have been saved by grace, not for any act of theirs, but by his good pleasure. Do you believe in such a great being? I do not. I cannot comprehend such a being. That is the beauty of it. Perhaps you do not believe in a devil, 
and in the great hell, the bottomless pit, where there is a lake of fire and brimstone, in which the wicked are cast, and where they are continually burning, but none ever consumed. I do not believe in such a place. My dear friend, I am sorry for you. Then the devil adds, I am very, I am sorry, very, very sorry. So this interaction was removed from the temple ceremony in 1990, but it shows a core Mormon doctrine that Christians are all in cahoots with the devil. And if you bring this up to a Mormon, they'll deny it, saying, oh, no, Christians just don't have the whole truth like we do. And some Mormons think that they are the only true Christians. Wow. Ugh, you cringe. But, but this is, that's triggering. But this is the only place that I've ever heard the the dialogue to that part of the temple that they took out with the Christian oh, minister. Yeah. And they totally set him up as the devil's like little puppet. Yep. He's his little minion. You know, and you can see the anti-Christian like rhetoric. Um now before we move on, Father Vampire, I want to address this point. What is real or authentic Christianity? MFW, what do you think it is? Um, you know, that's probably a whole nother argument that goes back thousands of years. And it's a very individual journey. And um, I'll tell people right now, I, I am still theistic. I, I still believe in God. And I'm going through my, my personal journey. And, um, and that's, that's another point, too, that sometimes... Sadly, I see in, in the ex-Mormon community, everyone, once they leave Mormonism, they pursue their own paths. They have that freedom for that. But sometimes we can be a little hard on each other, it seems like. And, um, and I think that's the old Mormonism in us, too, where we in Mormonism, we're taught to be a missionary and boldly express your views. And I think that's a little bit of narcissism in us, too, where we think we have all the answers and we're right and and we're very vocal about it and maybe our boundaries are not too great and um sometimes i see that in on ex-mormon TikTok where people start criticizing each other for the path that they take and this really i think ideally should be a forum where we can be a little more accepting and um and nurturing when everyone's going through something pretty traumatic I think this should be a place where um, we can really take those first steps and to be a little more uh, accepting. But yeah, as far as the real Christianity, that is a whole new great journey. And for me, again, my opinion is that people in the Mormon church are spiritually starving. I think there are a lot of very well-intentioned uh into uh, Mormons who really want to have a relationship with God, want to have a spiritual life. But the Mormon church limits that so much. I mean, it, their church services are, are boring. It's the same thing over and over again. Um, you're not taught anything. You're restricted and you're actually discouraged from seeking and learning. And so I think some people who other people I've talked to who have left Mormonism and pursued Christianity find a very rich uh, uh, and and fulfilling spiritual life that they could not find in the Mormon church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think. 
Father Vampire makes a very good point here um, that he feels there's no such thing as a definitive, real, or authentic Christianity because there's over, over 1,500 different sects and very true. But my, I guess, take on it would be that pure, maybe down to its basic idea, Christianity is that you follow uh, the example and the life of Jesus Christ and Christ um, saves you, whether that's with some works and his grace, that can be, you know, down to the different people to believe what they want to believe. But I think all Christians believe that Christ ultimately saves them through his atonement and that you follow his example, which is uh, baptism by immersion and or some sort of baptism and the receipt of the Holy Ghost. They all do it different ways. But what Mormonism has done is they've they've done that and then they've added some extra. And the way I see it, Mormonism is kind of like they've said, look, we've, we've got this bit that everyone can see and the bit that we teach as missionaries, you know, that we teach to people that we're Christians, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then there's a plus section for the VIPs, the paying members who then get to see the behind the scenes shots of everything. And there's this whole extra piece that Jesus never spoke about and never did in his life. Because Jesus, what do we say, is the ultimate example. So surely, you know, just in my head, it makes sense. If he's the ultimate example of the life you have to live in this world, then why didn't he do all the temple stuff? You know, or why wasn't there some reference to him doing um, temple ceremonies and, and different things. I just, yeah, it's, Mormonism puts a whole extra bit. You can't do it just through Jesus. You have to do this whole extra bit through the church. And for me, that's where they separate themselves from mainstream Christianity who believe that it's just Jesus. Um, and Mormons believe, yes, Jesus, but also this. Oh yeah. And I think Mormon is Mormons in general, and I know I was, are really don't have a great idea of what Christianity really is. Mm -hmm. And um, for example, one of my uh in the last few months in from my transition out, it was Palm Sunday. And so throughout Christianity that is a Sunday that is celebrated. And they talk about Jesus's triumphant return and entering into Jerusalem. In our ward, Palm Sunday, the topic was new indexing goals. And you talk to uh, Mormons too, just about any of the holidays or anything for really um, from, from the New Testament, people are clueless about what Good Friday is, or yeah, or Palm Sunday, or uh, so many co uh, concepts in Christianity, in Mormonism, we, we just don't talk about that. We don't learn about that. They say, yeah. we say that we're, you know, Mormons say that they're totally focused on Jesus and it's the center of their, uh, their worship, but just go to any other Christian worship service. Jesus is the topic of discussion, not who's getting this calling, who's doing this next Boy Scout fundraiser, all that stuff that takes up so much time in 
a church service. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on from the the Christian section. One big reason why. Not with that button. Priesthood worthiness. Now they put this kind of goes, you know, the, the pornography masturbation um, talks that you get talks on a Sunday when it comes to, you know, telling the young men that they are, they've got more power in their little finger than the president of the United States. And I've heard all that. Uh, it's crazy. Or something that used to annoy me was part member families where the dad isn't a member or is a less active member and then preaching to the 11, 12 year old, the deacon, that he's the patriarch in the home and that he needs to, you know, live up to that and act as such. But let's, let's see what you've got to say here. The men who bear God's holy priesthood should be different from other men. Men who hold the priesthood are not inherently better than other men but they should act differently. Men who hold the priesthood should not only receive priesthood authority, but also become worthy and faithful conduits of God's power. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Okay, so this is a record of Joseph Smith's disorderly conduct um, over the years. May I share some friendly advice? For now, give Brother Joseph a break. Doctrine of Covenants 42, 41, I believe that's some of your handiwork. Do you strive for moral cleanliness in your thoughts and behavior? Do you obey the law of chastity? Uh, uh, it, this is a tricky one. This is a tr it's a tricky one, and when I say it's a tricky one, what I mean is that the law of cha what is the law of chastity really? You know, it's. Do, but you do could you say know? it's I, that's been revealed in the 1835 edition of Book of Commandments. You could argue that that sets forth the standard of marriage amongst the saints as monogamy, a man having one well, wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's very all well and good, but that's marriage. That's like you know, a worldly institution. We are mm. living in a, an, an existent defined built up and characterized by god's laws that's hilarious why isn't joseph smith held to the same standard that was expected of me yes that was that, that was, was from my favorite yeah that was one of my favorite nemo episodes right there that interview was was great yeah from his temple recommend um interview with joseph smith yeah. but it's yeah, you know, it's they they preach these things from themselves. Um, you know what? It takes me back to the first vision and the account that you give as a missionary and the reason that Jesus says that the churches aren't true, that none of the churches are true. He says, if I get it right, it's been like 20 years, they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the same thing. They draw near to me with their lips and their rules and their, you know, uh, virtue signaling. But really behind the scenes, they'll do what they want. Oh, absolutely. And, and um, you know, just kind of as a follow-up to this, I was thinking about um, uh, 
I was thinking about doing this video, but I decided not to. But I was going to kind of do this thing where, okay, you have this guy who walks into a Mormon church and how would the members react to this guy? And I list off these, like, I'll, I'll just, I'll list off some of them. Like, and this is a real, real person. So this gentleman, he had a bad temper and assaulted a teacher when he was young, started drinking and using tobacco at 15. His dad was shot in a prison fight. His grandpa exposed himself at a bar to brag about his genitals. His uncle was a repeat sex offender and had criminal records in four states. He married his 16-year-old cousin, who he verbally and physically abused. Uh, he had an incident where he beat his neighbor almost to death, fathered children with at least four women. And so you think about someone like that walking into the average Mormon chapel. Um, yeah, you would like to think that you know, people would be nice and reach out, but I'm sure there would be a lot of suspicion. People would... Uh, feel pretty uncomfortable around this gentleman. And that is actually Joseph F. Smith, the sixth president of the Mormon church. <gasps> Never. All, those, all those things are from his life. And, you know, that is really one-sided. Maybe he was a nice guy. I'm sure he maybe did some charitable, charitable acts. And, you know, this could be casting him in an unfair light. But that that stuff is true. All that stuff describes a previous president of the Mormon church. So okay, we want to try to be like Jesus and be forgiving. But when this guy walks in, is he getting a temple recommend anytime soon? You know, prob probably not. No. Um, so yeah, there's, there is a big disconnect. No, but MFW, you've got to remember different times. We can't judge him by today's standards. Present. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, that, uh, the old, that old chestnut. <laughs> there's always okay. Use. there's always an answer yeah uh, so well we're all worthy priesthood holders now so obviously we have magical powers and let's see men who bear God's holy wrong button again let's see what the priesthood power can do in the Mormon church it is claimed that men who hold the priesthood can lay hands on people to heal them if this were the case one would assume a state like Utah where there is a high Mormon population to have the best health statistics across the board, or at least good, maybe top five, but not so. In the 2015 U.S. News and World Report rankings for Primary Children's Hospital in Salt Lake City, they broke the top 10 in one category, but it's pretty clear that divine healing is not improving children's health statistics in Utah. How many of them received blessings? Another fail is the USA Today stats that put Utah fifth in the nation for suicide and number one for depression. The Mormon church must know this. Why else are they now being taught to have the faith to not be healed? Ooh, Ugh. the faith not be healed. Yeah. It's such gaslighting. Yeah, and you look at, you know, just um, in hospitals, for example, there are a bunch of measures that they, they look at in order to see kind of how well the hospital is doing. They'll look at, uh, infections, I'll look at medication mistakes. They will look at readmissions, like they, they discharge someone from the hospital and how many of them bounce back within 24, 48 hours. And Utah's not any better than the rest of the country or the world with all this stuff. You would expect with all these priesthood 
holders roaming around the halls giving blessings that these stats should be a little bit better but yeah they just, they just don't stand out so it doesn't make sense it's i think it's the same reason that not all psychics are billionaires because they've won the lottery uh, multiple times and and that's why you know that's why there's disabled parking bays at churches because not everyone gets healed or so. no no wealthy treasure diggers from upstate new york in the 1800s yeah yeah they were all they were all poor yeah. um but that's what kept them going if they found it they wouldn't be treasure diggers anymore so they'd lose their livelihood and it wouldn't be any good so they to be a good treasure digger always in work you could never actually find what you were looking for Ugh. in the mormon church it is claimed that men who hold the that's my twisted logic <laughs> okay um okay this guy's this guy's a piece all right oh. more stats here we go yeah no but this one's really interesting because this this quote uh, this is a slide from Mist in Sunday School. And yeah, it, let me play the video and we'll talk about it after. <laughs> in 2018, President Nelson addressed the Mormon church in Kenya and gave this financial advice. He said, we preach tithing to the poor people of the world because the poor people of the world have had cycles of poverty generation after generation. That same poverty continues from one generation to another until people pay their tithing. In a nutshell, he said paying tithing would lead to financial prosperity. But what I wanted to see if there was any data to support this. First, I looked at US states with high LDS populations, namely Utah, Arizona, and Idaho. Surely with such high numbers of tithe payers, it must result in greater financial success. And on uh, chamberofcommerce.org, they rank state wealth by per capita income, consumption, expenditures, poverty, etc. Turns out that Utah ranked only number 31 in the U.S. for wealth. Arizona was 43 and Idaho was 47. Uh, the top three richest states have very low LDS populations, namely Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New York. So at least in the U.S., it doesn't look like paying tithing um, leads to financial success. Um, how about overseas? To test President Nelson's claim, I looked at countries with low LDS populations in 1990. I found how they ranked in the world by wealth and compared that rank in 2021 after, the, after their LDS population grew. So first example was Russia. In 1991, the LDS population was only 300 people and they ranked ninth in the world. In 2021, the LDS population was up to 23,000 but the rank was only 10. Uh, in number two, uh, Ivory Coast, Africa. In 1990, uh, there's almost no members at all because the gospel was only introduced in uh, 1988, and their rank was number 73. In 2021, the LDS population was 52,000. Still, their rank was only 72. So with Russia and Ivory Coast, drastic increases in LDS population, no change in their financial standing. In Samoa, in the 80s and 90s, the population was only 40,000, and their world rank was 171. In 2021, the LDS population of Samoa is 80,000, almost double, and their rank was still only 172. All this data seems to show that paying tithing does not pull people out of poverty or improve their financial well-being. President Nelson's prophecy is false. 
in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 18.22, it talks about false prophecy. It says, When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken. But the prophet hath spoken presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. Mic drop. So at least the numbers I looked at don't pan out. Hey, I think just the, just the um, the states one that you put up showing that Idaho, Arizona, and Utah were nowhere near the the wealthiest states per capita. Were yeah. you know just that showed it, you know, uh, with the priesthood blessings and the health figures, and now with the prosperity gospel and and them saying you're paying for your blessings, and and when you pay your tithe in, you get it back in prosperity it's not true yeah and i try to do you know, a, a more yeah, objective experiment that's why i looked at those stats and there was nothing not even a small increase at all um uh so that that promise isn't true it's not paying tithing doesn't make you rich so that part's that part's off you're not going to get financial blessings yeah well you know you know what true patriots would do though they would pay their tithing and that we're about to fi find exactly out right. why this this next one really 2018 president annoyed me yes um so everyone buckle up and prepare yourself for this mine in the quorum of the 12 elder dallin h oaks has said that the faithful payment tithes by citizens of a country will bless the nation so if i if i were from sierra leone and i wanted to be a patriot and bless my land i would faithfully pay my tithing because god will then help pour out blessings on my country Okay, that was a little bit quiet, but was that Razband telling everyone that if they were faithful patriots to their country, they would pay their tithing because in paying their tithing, the Lord will pour out blessings upon their country? Yeah, uh, um, yeah, Elder Runland, yeah. Oh, Runland, sorry. Yeah, so, and yeah, same thing. If you're a true patriot, pay your tithing, and that is going to help your country. And that doesn't seem to pan out either. And so, yeah, I just looked at those countries with the highest percentage or highest popu uh, populations. Um, yeah, just by percentage of the population in the world. And then looked at their financial rankings. And they're all some of the, the lowest ranking countries in the world. So, yeah, you, you, think, uh, Tonga, you think Tonga would be like up there with, you know, Tesla and Apple and different things. With that have, percentage. Yeah, 60%. Yep. And yeah, they don't, they're not ranking too well. So maybe they're not paying enough. Maybe they're, maybe I need to look at how, what percentage is actually paying a full tithe. Yeah. But the church won't release those numbers to me. So, no. Oh, well, is 
President Hinckley said, those numbers are only for those that contribute. So yeah. I've stopped contributing, but I'm sure when I did contribute, I never got them anyway. Nothing. So anyway, yeah. They're not true. Okay. So we know that they're talking about going to these poorer countries, telling them they need to pay the tithe and they'll be blessed. And uh, this scripture here um, about doing arms and that you should do it in secret, um, especially, you know, I think in the fast, when it speaks about fasting in the New Testament, you do it in your closet and you go out with a smile on your face because mm -hmm. if people, people see um, that you are doing it, then you receive your reward from them, not from the Lord. So we should do all these things in secret. Um, and let's let's see what the church, how secret they are about it. I am very selfish, you know. Yes, I am very selfish. Working's fun. Not the way he does it. All he cares about is money. He doesn't care about you or me or anybody. Selfish to the end, aren't you? Thinking only of your own precious hide with never a thought for the noble cause. All right. Well, take care of yourself, hon. I guess it's what you're best at, isn't it? Okay, so for anyone listening on the podcast, uh, at the beginning of that video, there was a scripture up on the screen. Therefore, when thou doest thine arms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. And then the video goes on to show that basically, out in the world, whenever the church is doing everything, they slap their name on absolutely everything. There was wheelchairs with the church's name on it. There was everyone in them stupid yellow tabards, the helping <laughs> hands ones. Uh, we got, was that like rubbish bins with the church's name on it? I, it looks like uh, water containers. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like a conference in between sessions when they do the worldwide report. Yes. And the, the giant worldwide pat yourself on the back report. Yeah. Yeah. They basically got a whole department dedicated to doing the opposite of this scripture, you know, to, to blow in the trumpet as loud as possible, you know, and they even put the numbers on it now because they're so upset about like everyone knowing how much money they got stashed that now they'll be like, oh, the church has donated $3 million to this fund or whatever that's going to trickle in over the next 30 years at $10 a week. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's... Yeah, and I, know, I remember hearing an anecdotal story that um, President Monson got really uh, upset about people doing the helping hands not wearing the yellow T-shirts and... Mm pushing that i mean it's it, you got to feed that pr machine and yeah. uh, and it's it's hypocrisy and i i wonder how many tbms see this and are upset about it or if they just kind of oh no that's fine whatever i have no yeah. idea i remember when when we first got them here in the uk they were white and then later on they bought the yellow ones out because i guess they didn't think that people could see the white ones as much so they need to make them super high vis. Mm -hmm. um, but 
yeah and and there would always be a box full of them at every activity and before you could go and pick the litter or do whatever get your tabard on you know let everyone know where you're from yeah oh yeah they know what they're doing super sickly okay what's next oh i've got a real bugbear with this one oh um, me too. so I everyone think the data entry just annoys us so much but yeah there's there's so much more yeah so um it, in the podcast the other day on the show in mormon temple expose part two i was having a little bit of a rant about this and peter bleakley if you are out there um he pulled me up to say that the church doesn't actually own ancestry and different things but it does just not directly let's let's find out more the LDS Church's relationships with multiple genealogical societies and private entities. One such relationship is with Ancestry.com. In 2013, they made a five-year, $60 million deal for one billion indexed records. I don't know the specifics, but my guess would be that Ancestry.com paid family search for indexed, digitized records because the LDS Church has a literal mountain vault full of records and a free labor source. So how about some numbers? In 2019 alone, 123.6 million records were indexed and 850 million images were digitized. To break this down into monetary terms, it's about one cent to digitize an image. To index a document, the average price is 25 cents for a type document and a dollar for a handwritten image. Let's assume this is all voluntary. Given the 2019 statistics with images and indexing, conservatively, the total labor cost would be $82.66 million. So the LDS Church had its members provide millions of free labor in 2019 alone for not only itself, but also privately owned companies with which they have financial agreements. That kills me. Just oh. that that stat you put together there. And even if that's not right, there is a monetary benefit to the church off the back of retired couples sitting down, ignoring their grandkids at the weekend and just indexing. Yeah. And when I and when I calculated this, I was being conservative. I mean, the up upper end was easily like 110, $120 million. And this was 2019 alone. And so this is, and this has been going on for years. So cumulative, cumulatively, who knows how much money and free labor um, is, is the church benefited just from indexing. Yeah. And on top of your tithing, then it's not just your time in serving other people, but this is like, if you, the, the church is such a big player here because of the free labor, because you take any other genealogical kind of um, service, if it doesn't have these records that have been indexed and digitized, then to compete, they have to index and digitize it themselves. And the cost of doing that, if you are purely just a business out there trying to compete, is millions of dollars, whereas the church just gets it for free oh yeah um so let's look at part two of indexing the lds church's relationship and here we go interestingly a private equity firm blackstone bought ancestry.com in december of 2020 but a few months prior to the sale the church's enzyme peak fund increased their shares of blackstone by 251 percent and then an additional increase of 81.75 percent around the time of the actual sale totaling 29.6 million dollars 
so the LDS Church invested more in a company just before its sale for which they themselves were providing millions of dollars worth of free labor. Additionally, Ancestry.com gets significant revenue selling genetic testing kits. Those tests are done by Quest Labs. In September of 2020, Enzyme Peak owned $36.2 million worth of Quest Lab. Enzyme Peak also owns hundreds of millions of dollars of Thermo Fisher Scientific. In March of 2020, the church owned $299.8 million of Thermo Fisher, but it jumped to $436.7 million at the time of the sale of Ancestry.com to Blackstone. What does Thermo Fisher Scientific do? Among other things, they make DNA testing and gene sequencing equipment. Boom. This is what happens when I get released from a calling and I'm just doodling around on Google, <laughs> just looking stuff up. I don't have to do agendas for bishopric meetings anymore. So I just start clicking random buttons and come up with all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, again, I don't have a finance background at all, but people are throwing, yeah, insider trading. Is this true insider trading? I have no idea. And maybe a finance person to, can go and take a look at these numbers, but it's, it's shady. It's shady. It sounds it, doesn't it? Because they've benefited from their own action. And it know? doesn't sound like church stuff. No, it's like yeah, over here, a lot of professional football players, well, some, they, they're all banned from gambling. Uh, right. But there was there was one recently and there was speculation about where he was going to be traded to. And the he was banned from playing football for a while because the day before he was traded, uh, he told, I don't know, his brother-in-law or someone to go put money on a certain team uh, because he already knew where he was going, but the world right. didn't know yet. So it's that sort of insider, you know, he knows that he's going to win the bet and make loads of money because um, he, he knew the outcome before it was public. And I think that's the same thing with all this. Like you say, they, they put millions in stock in that Fisher firm because they knew that that was connected to Blackstone and Blackstone was going to be using them for the DNA kits or whatever it was. But what it resulted in was a massive boost in uh, the stock price. And hey, the church now owns loads of stock. So we benefited from that boost in the stock price. Yeah. yeah. Um, Coco B, don't get me going on indexing. Oh, we're on it. I tell you, <laughs> they pushed the youth to do it. <laughs> Um, and as a genealogist, I can tell you the youth screwed up a lot of records. Notice that they don't push it anymore. I guess the five years are up. I think, don't they have a conference once a year? Um, if anyone knows the name of the cons of the conference that they have Roots once a Tech. year, Roots Tech, that's it. Mm -hmm. Where they do, where, yeah, people go crazy over it. Um, uh Oh yeah, it's it's so big, and you know they have goals all the time. It's not just numbers, but it's the percentage of ward members who index as well. And the church knows these stats; these are official statistics that's tracked by the church. Yeah, and I think you even eight-year-olds can have an account to index. Yeah, I think that's the youngest you can go. Um, so yeah, it's it's a big. It's a big push. It's a moneymaker. Yeah. And and the interesting thing is that you don't just index your own family tree because if it was purely 
to perform baptisms for the dead or, or ordinances for your family. You just do your family because you can only do ordinances. You can only submit work for your family these days um, that you're related to. So other people can do the ordinance if you go get temple file, but that has to be submitted by a member of the family to avoid, you know, baptizing millions of Jewish people or mm -hmm. things that they did in the past. So you, you think, oh, well, I'll just index my family tree. And then that way, you know, they can, they can do that. But no, you just index everyone, everyone and everything. So even if their work can't be done yet because a family member isn't a Mormon or they're not in the family tree, it's still of worth to the church because they can sell it on as a resource to uh, non-church entities. Absolutely. Okay. Um, indexing part three. Interestingly, a private equity. Every time I click that. <laughs> so the LDS Church strongly encourages its members to do indexing without compensation, promising blessings from heaven. We know there have been financial agreements for access to these records. They increased their investments in Blackstone prior to its purchase of Ancestry.com. They also have significant holdings in Quest Labs that run the genetic tests sent from Ancestry.com. And they even own hundreds of millions of dollars in a company that manufactures genetic testing equipment. To a faithful believer in the, in the LDS Church, they could see indexing as a way to further the work of God. But as I look through these numbers, it looks like a church exploiting its members for financial gain by associating their voluntary service with heavenly blessings. Isn't this exactly what angered Jesus, profiting off of religion? It also could be one more answer how a relatively small church could be one of the richest organizations in the world. The Mormon church profits off the countless hours of unpaid volunteer labor through indexing, church cleaning, callings, members paying out of pocket for missionary service in addition to receiving billions in tithes and offerings. Can you go back to the beginning of that video and just, just to look at the quote there? church strongly encourages its memory right there and this is what's what's really gross too it's that even the ill aged and homebound can be included and feel the joy of giving so it's just getting everybody just these the, the preying on on invalids basically to be able to do their part and contribute to the cause and um and in the promise of of, of spiritual blessings for data entry yeah and I, rem I remember um i was a yeah when indexing was first coming in to the mainstream church and they were putting a real push on having your ward family history consultants and then making sure that everyone even those that weren't like um you know able to get to a laptop or a, anything like that were like taught how to do it and you'd pull everyone in for ward events and set up as many laptops as you could oh i did it yeah yeah in order to do that coco b says that prisoners in utah were doing indexing everyone indexing is a prisoner <laughs> <laughs> very true very true right let's uh <laughs> let's head on to the next one so the and that's gonna okay Oh, that's just um, those numbers again that you yeah. put in there. 82.66 million. Yeah, insider trading, it's got to be. Okay, I like this one. This one's a bit of a, uh, oh, yeah. a funny one. But it's so true, the way that you've put it here. Everyone just, yeah, enjoy. 
son of Adam. Super Mormons. Yeah. We are, though. Absolutely. You got magic powers. Yeah, that's what everyone's told. Did you ever go to a bestimony meeting where someone uh, gave their testimony about an accident where they were wearing their garments and every part of them was hurt apart from where the garments were touching because they are bulletproof? Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, I had a... I knew somebody who rolled over in a tractor and I guess a metal pole. There was a hole in the front of the shirt and the back of the shirt, like it impaled him, but, no. but nothing. So all kinds of fun stories. Folklore is alive and well in Mormonism. Yeah. You see, I can't believe that um, we've, we've not got to the point where we make helmets out of garments. You know what I mean? Like line that, Line the inside of your baseball cap with garment material because it is that magical. Or your car. That's an idea. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah, just make, make your airbags out of garments. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's New perfect. ones. Don't get old ones. Did, did you ever use old ones as rags? No. I, I religiously cut the symbols out and then just threw them away. I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, Catherine class, I called it bestimony because it's all about who gives the best testimony. Um, but the rags thing, I never did it, but as a kid, there was always a stash of old garments underneath the sink that had, had the symbols and things cut out. And then my parents would just cut them up, and cut them up into rags and we just use them as like, yeah, rags for cleaning the floor or whatever, which seemed so like <laughs> crazy and out there. But once the symbols are gone, it's just cloth, isn't it? Do people do that with regular underwear ever? Just like they're tidy whities and they're done and they start using them to mop hey. their floors with them? You know, that'd be. it seems you know. weird now to think about that. Yeah um before we continue everyone uh we've had loads of people here and it's been fantastic if you could like the video and maybe leave a comment then the algorithm will love us all and that would really help to yeah push things along wardified hello okay let's take a look at where we go next without that is this heaven i'm not even oh. going to introduce this let's just go is it really you? Is this really heaven? Yes, yes, hurry up, come on. <laughs> I'm coming, Father. I'm ready. <laughs> Was that Hitler? <laughs> Was that Hitler? I tried to put this up on, on TikTok, but it got pulled. And I don't know because of the TV show or what, but I was going to title it, you know, what happens to general authorities when, after they die. But um, it's one of my favorite shows, too. So everyone check out IT Crowd. Yeah. But, but the thing is, as well, it's so true because we know that the, the church <laughs> has done the work several hundred times for every famous person, including mm -hmm. Hitler. So, yeah. you know, okay. you, could, you could be walking through the celestial kingdom at some point and bump into Adolf himself. So... Oh, you ladies, you got the chance of being one of his polygamous wives. Yeah, someone's got to be. Yeah, a few of them. <laughs> 